Well, good morning, friends. Uh, my name is Matt, and I'm the pastor here, and it is great to have you with us this morning. Uh, if this morning you have kids with us, I just want to let you know how excited we are to have them in the service. Uh, if there's a little bit of extra commotion today, if there's a little bit of, of voice, uh-oh, my wife is telling me to put my collar down. <laughs> oh, man, I'm in so much trouble. Is that right? Is it okay now? Oh, all right, I don't have any choice but to tell you this story now. The reason my collar is up is because as I was on my way up after Mike, I realized I'd never put my microphone back on after the last service. It was in the back where I changed for the baptisms, and I was like, I, I don't have a microphone right now. I have no way to talk to people, and I feel like that's a part of the job. So uh, now I'm mic'd up, so you might be able to hear me. Anyway, if you've got kids with us today... We're excited that they're in here, and if they move around a little bit, that's great. I'm going to move around a little bit up here so they're in uh, good company here this morning. Uh, it's Easter, and we're so thankful you're with us. And all of the hope that we have in Jesus Christ is bound up in the phrase, He is risen. Oh, I would give you like a C, maybe a C minus for that. I don't know, right? Let's try that again. He is risen. All right, we're getting there. We're getting there, friends. That's much, much better. And that is our hope that we have in Jesus Christ, the hope that we celebrate today. But before we get to that hope, I want to remind us of how hope seemed to have died while Jesus was in the grave. It was 5 a.m. on Sunday morning, that Sunday morning, and Mary Magdalene sits at a chair in a room with tears running down her face. As she is crying, she is in a room filled with other women, all of whom were followers of the Master. Their sound of sobbing can be heard around the room. Mary feels numb because of what she has gone through over the last few days, but she's ready to fight through those feelings in order to take spices to go and anoint Jesus' body because he deserves a proper burial. How is she going to move that giant stone? She has absolutely no idea, but that sort of organized and administrative thinking is for those who are not in deep mourning. And she is in deep mourning. She has no idea how that stone is going to get moved, but she knows it needs to because the master deserves a proper burial. Mary has committed her entire life to being about Jesus Christ. He drove seven demons out of her life that had control of her. And since that day of freedom forward, she has lived for him, to know him, to seek after him, to serve him. It's been her entire life. When all the rest of the disciples had abandoned him in the last few days, Mary didn't. Mary was there at that fake trial in front of the Jewish leaders. Mary was there to hear Pontius Pilate pronounce sentence that he would be crucified. She was there as they pressed that crown of thorns down into his skull, as they opened up his back with those whips, as they drove the nails through his hands and erected that cross, and she heard him breathing in such labored ways near the end of his life. Mary was there for all of it. And as she sits here in that chair, 
life seems to be without purpose and meaning. It had all been about Jesus, and now he is dead in the grave. It was just a week ago that life was filled with so much vibrant purpose and meaning. They were entering into Jerusalem. Jesus was going to take up his crown. He was going to become king. He was going to rule forever. Her purpose and her meaning were clear. She was going to serve him in his kingdom forever. And now here we are a week later, and he's been in the grave. This is the third day, and she has no hope and no meaning for the days to come. Maybe at some point, you've been in that place. Maybe even today, you're in that place where you're not sure what the hope is for meaning and for purpose in the days to come. You've been chasing after different things that the world offers, but it has left you empty. You had a picture of what your life was going to look like one day, and now one day has arrived, and your life looks totally different than that. And you say, what am I doing what am I going to do in the days to come? What, what is the purpose? What is the meaning? As you're processing that, we recognize that with Jesus in the grave, before the sun comes up on that Sunday morning, there is no hope for meaning. There, there is no hope for purpose. While Mary sits in that chair, the apostle Peter is up in the upper room with disciples. They are afraid. They've killed the shepherd. What will they do to the flock? But the weight on Peter is heavier than on any of the other because the last words that Peter spoke, the last words that he spoke in front of Jesus were words denying that he even knew him. Peter's own words from earlier in that week keep ringing in his ears. He had declared, even if everyone else falls away on account of you, I never will. And then when the chips were down, when things mattered the most, he had denied even knowing Jesus again and again and again. And he sat there that morning before the sun rose in a puddle of tears and shame. No hope for forgiveness. No hope for reconciliation because Jesus is in the grave. Maybe you've been in that place too, where you have felt like there is no hope for forgiveness. If you knew the things that I thought about, you would know there's no hope for forgiveness for me. If you knew the things that I'd done when no one was watching, you'd know there's no hope for forgiveness for me. If you knew the things that I had done when I said I would never do them again and then went right back to them, you'd know there's no hope of forgiveness for me. And on that morning... When Jesus lies in the tomb, there is no hope for forgiveness and reconciliation. While Peter is in that upper room two miles away in the little town of Bethany, Martha sits in a chair with her sister Mary clinging to her knees. Her brother Lazarus sits across the room. There are other followers of Jesus who have joined them there. It is stunned silence in the room still trying to comprehend what has happened over the course of the last couple of days, still trying to comprehend where their master has gone. Martha had placed all of her hope for forever life in Jesus because Jesus had said to her personally, anyone who lives and believes in me will not die. And he'd ask Martha, do you believe this? 
And Martha had said, yes. All the rest of the followers had said, yes. They trusted in Jesus that with him they would never die. And now the one that they trusted in is lying in the tomb, dead. All hope for life forever seems to be gone. There is no hope. That morning, 5 a.m., it is still dark out, and there is no hope because Jesus is still in the grave. Right? There, there is no hope for forgiveness. There is no hope for purpose and meaning for the days to come. There is no hope for living forever because Jesus is in the grave. But then, the dawn comes. And when the sun rose, the sun rose and hope was born. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to His great mercy, He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. When Jesus was in the grave, there was no hope. No hope for purpose for the days to come. No hope for forgiveness. No hope for life forever. But now, for those who trust in Him, because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, there is a living hope. When the Bible uses that word hope, it doesn't use it in the way that sometimes we use that word hope. Sometimes when we use that word hope, we mean a wish that is unlikely to occur. And so I might say, I bought a Powerball ticket today, and I hope I win the lottery. Right? I, I hope. Well, what are my chances of winning the lottery? There's something along the lines of one in 774 million. And yet I'm using that word hope, aren't I? I might say, I hope that this next year, the Vikings win the Super Bowl. But what are the chances of that? They're worse than winning the lottery, aren't they? You're already thinking it. I'm just saying it. We use that word hope about a wish that is unlikely to be fulfilled. When the Bible uses that word hope, what it means is trust in a promised and sure future that inspires our present. Our hope, according to the Bible, is trust, and, uh, trust in a promised and sure future that inspires our present. You notice in this passage it's called a living hope. Because it's not just out there somewhere in the future. It is a promise out there in the future that is so sure that inspires our living right here, right now to be different. Mary Magdalene, uh, she, she experienced that living hope. She went to the tomb that day. And she found the stone rolled away and the tomb empty. And as she wandered around the garden where the tomb was located, she ran into a man that she assumed to be the gardener, there to do some early work in the garden. But when the words of that gardener hit her ears, she recognized the voice, and the tone was one of love and compassion. And she looked up into the face of Jesus, and she cried out, Rabbi, Rabbi. And at that moment, all of the hopelessness 
about the future and meaning and purpose fled away from her. And she was filled with a living hope. Once again, her future days had all hope that Jesus would be the center of her days. That she would have opportunity through him to live out her days knowing and serving the living God, the living Savior. If you're a disciple of Jesus Christ, then friends, you have that living hope that produces an amazing purpose and meaning for your days to come. You're not caught up in the things that the world offers where I'm trying to get a little more money, a little more stuff in my house, where the aim of my life is getting a few more people to like me, getting a little more control in this situation. You recognize the emptiness of those things, and instead, your life is entirely about knowing and loving Jesus. Being in relationship with the living God, it is ultimate hope for purpose and meaning in the days to come. Through Peter, we see something beautiful. We see the hope restored of forgiveness. When Jesus was in the grave, there was no hope of forgiveness, no hope of reconciliation for Peter. But when Mary arrives in that upper room and declares to the disciples, I've been to the tomb, the stone is rolled away, it's empty. All of a sudden, all of that shame and failure that Peter was feeling turns into curiosity and he runs to the tomb. He also finds it empty. Curiosity begins to mix with hope. And we are told that that hope is fully realized. In Luke chapter 24, we're told that Jesus appeared personally to Peter later in that day. And suddenly, Peter has hope of forgiveness, hope of restoration. Jesus, in his risen form, would walk with Peter and restore him three times, once for every time that he had denied Jesus. Because the risen Jesus produces living hope for forgiveness and reconciliation. All of us need that forgiveness and reconciliation in our lives. Romans chapter 3 verse 23 says, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. What does that mean? That means that every one of us were made to be like God in His glory to be perfect in love and perfect in righteousness, but all of us have fallen short. We've all rebelled against God. We've all sinned. We have all lived in selfishness instead of living for God and for others. Can you think of a time in your life where you sinned? I can think of thousands. One that I've shared most often was when my son was 10 years old. He had a friend over from across the street, and Isaiah was showing him how to swing a baseball bat in his bedroom, giving him lessons. And as he was swinging his baseball bat over and over again in his bedroom, at one point it slipped out of his hands, went flying across the room, and went through the 30-gallon fish tank that was on the dresser. By the time I got to the room, there was Isaiah and his friend standing there in their bare feet in all of the broken glass trying to save the fish that were dying. The fish tank rested on a dresser that my grandfather had made for me and had a particular sentimental value, and now it is soaked in fish water everywhere. It's leaking down into the carpet. I'm just waiting for it to go through to the ceiling of the floor below. And I can feel 
warmth rising in my body. It's making its way up to my head. Now, at this point, I could have handled the situation with patience. Have you ever heard of that? Patience? It was unwise for him to be swinging his baseball bat in his room. But what happened was an accident, and I could have been patient in this situation. But instead of handling it with patience, I handled it with what my daughter would later refer to as an adult temper tantrum. There was uh, yelling, and there was frustration, and there was anger, and there was all kinds of hand movements going on. All of which had to be apologized for later in that day. As I recognized, wow, I am a sinful person. And that is one of thousands that I could recount for you. What do I deserve because of my sin? A few chapters later in Romans, Romans chapter 6, verse 23, we're told that the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. The wages, the, what I am due because of my sin is death. It's talking about spiritual death here. Separation from God and all that is good that flows out of Him. That is what I deserve because of my sins. But God, who is rich in mercy, has shown grace. Romans chapter 6.23 doesn't end with the wages of sin is death. It ends with, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So that those who trust in Jesus Christ receive this amazing gift this gracious and merciful gift that is our salvation. I don't earn it. I don't deserve it. It is an amazing gift from our God. And friends, if you've placed your trust in Jesus Christ, then you have gone from that place where you have no hope in forgiveness to the place of all hope in forgiveness, a living hope in forgiveness in your life. And we say thank you, Jesus, for what you have done. Martha is at her home. Those who are gathered there with her recognize the hopelessness of the situation of Jesus being in the grave. She had trusted in him that she would live forever. But he's dead. Then a knock comes at the door. And the first of many of their fellow followers of Jesus begins to tell them that they have seen the risen Lord. That Jesus has appear, appeared to Mary. That Jesus has appeared to the women in the garden. That Jesus has appeared to the disciples. That he's appeared personally to Peter. That he's appeared to disciples on the road to Emmaus. And on and on it goes. And as you hear one person after another recounting how Jesus has been showing himself to his followers, suddenly Martha has all of that hopelessness and eternal life leave her and is instead filled with the living hope. Once again, there is hope for life forever with Jesus. And she begins to realize Jesus' intention was never that she would live forever in these rapidly decaying bodies. Jesus' intention was that like him, we would experience resurrection and live with him forever in a new heavens and a new earth. And she has the hope of eternal life. 2,000 years ago on that Sunday, before the sun came up, there was no hope. No hope for purpose for the days to come, no hope for forgiveness, no hope for eternal life. But then, 
as the dawn came and the sun rose, the Son of God rose. He came out of the grave and a living hope was restored for his people. So that now we are a people who have ultimate hope of purpose and meaning in our days to come. Ultimate hope for forgiveness of our sins. Ultimate hope for eternal life with him forever. We experience that living hope. Follower of Jesus Christ. The living hope that your sins can be completely and utterly washed away. The living hope that broken relationships can be restored. The living hope that if you are in addiction, you can be freed. That living hope that sins in your life can be dealt with. That living hope that the Holy Spirit of God will dwell within you and produce fruit in your life. That living hope that you are now a part of a body of brothers and sisters who walk along with you throughout life to encourage you and strengthen you. That living hope that one day you will dwell with the Lord and all that is good forever, that living hope that every tear will be dried up, every pain go away, and you will experience life forevermore because he is risen, right? He is risen. And Jesus says in John chapter 6, verse 40, for my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. Jesus says, Friends, I have this beautiful hope for you. I will raise you up on the last day if you look to me, if you believe in me. Have you looked to the Son? Have you believed in Jesus Christ? Have you believed in him and confessed him as Lord and King over your life? If the answer to that is yes, then today is a day to celebrate once again what he has done in your life. If the answer to that is, I don't know, what does that look like? I want to encourage you to take one of those cards that you received on your way in and mark it with your interest in knowing more about what it means to follow Jesus. We'd love to talk to you more about that. There'll be prayer ministers at the end who would love to talk to you more about that. And I would invite all of you, if you would right now, would you bow your heads with me? Let's spend time with the Lord. If you have never bowed the knee to Jesus and asked him to become king of your life, and right now the Spirit is working in your life to do so, let me encourage you to repent. The Bible says repent. That means to, to turn away from the life you have been living, to turn away from the self-oriented life, the sinful life, and instead turn to Jesus. Would you bow before him as your king and as your savior? Would you give yourself and your days fully over to him? If you have looked to the Son and believed in the Son, then you have a living hope. Would you allow your hearts and your minds to celebrate that right now? Would you give God all thanks and all glory for what he has done to bring a living hope into your life? Oh, Father, what beauty there is 
in your plan of salvation that your son would go to the cross and pay the penalties that were rightfully mine. We are so thankful for that, but we recognize that it is in his getting up out of the grave that he defeated sin and defeated death. And we are thankful for those victories. We are thankful for the hope that we have to experience all of those victories in our life now and greater victories to come in life forevermore with you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.